book study. Um, we're in chapter 13, and the theme of it is everything needed for walking with Jesus, that God has given us everything that is needed for walking with Jesus. <clears throat> I'm sure if, if you've watched any ball games at all at ever in your life, you've seen a player come off the court or off the field, and there's a coach that's right in his face, like, and you may think, what's wrong with that coach? Well, often what the situation is, the coach asked this guy to do one thing, and he didn't do it. It may have been, I don't want you to let anyone around the outside, you have to, you have to cut off the end here. Or it, it may have been something else. And usually it's one thing that was done. My older brother got me into wrestling and he'd work with me and take me to these peewee tournaments. And, and I can remember one week we were working on a stand-up. When you're in the down position, stand-up. And he went through all the things that you need to do. And, and, and he took me to this tournament. And never once did I do a stand-up. And he said, Dan, what's wrong with you? All week we worked on this, and, and you didn't even try it. And the sheepish, dumb, ooh, ooh. And he'd point out to me, in, with this guy right here, that would have worked easy. And, and he was frustrated because he knew if you had done this, it would have brought success. Frustration comes when either we don't have the tools to do what we ought to do, or worse frustration is when you have the tools and don't use them. <clears throat> Periodically around our place, um, You'll hear, the cows are out. Well, that, that's alert for if you're here, get your boots on and get out here and help us get the cows in, okay? And I know many of you can relate to that, all right? <clears throat> and <clears throat> most of the time when the cows are out, somebody's left the gate open. And it's really bad when it's, you that left the gate open, okay? You go in one gate and come out another. You shut the gate, you come out, but you don't shut the one you went in and so on. <clears throat> and it's a simple fix. But if somebody consistently, day after day, leaves the gate open and you're always getting the cows back in, <clears throat> that's frustrating. You say, what's going on? Well, we, I just like the gate open. It looks better. You'd say, you're an idiot. Well, we used to always leave the gate open. Yeah, that's before we had cows. And yet in the Christian life, we have all the tools that are necessary. We have the good fence. We have gates that shut. We have 
everything. We have the, the power. And that's what he said in, in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, in Jesus Christ, I have given you the divine nature of God. And in that, I have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. I mean, you think of that. We, as we've already mentioned this morning, we live in interesting times, challenging times, and yet God says, regardless of the times you're living in, I have given you everything you need to be what I want you to be in this life, in life and in godliness. Everything we have, need of, God has given us already. And the reality is that oftentimes we're not using it, even as mature Christians. And so this morning, I want to remind us of some of the things God has given, and I'll tell you right from the start, none of these will be new or earth-shattering, but this is what I want you to do. As we go through these, to ask yourself, And to take inventory, how am I using this that God has given me? I mean, we can't whine about life is tough and life is hard and, and I can't seem to get the victory if we're not using what God has given us. And, and so it's, it's coming back and realizing what God has given us. And realizing he hasn't just given this to me, I have a responsibility as well. First of all, he's given us his son, Jesus Christ. John 3, most familiar verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave Jesus Christ. And as he said here in Peter... Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue. And we have been given these exceeding great and precious promises. He's given us the divine nature of God. Last week, we talked that Jesus Christ has saved us from our sins. He's forgiven our sins. And He has changed our eternal destiny. But He has also now given us the power between the already, as Paul David Tripp says, the already our sins in the past forgiven and are not yet our eternity. But He's come to bring a change in this life And he gives us the power of God. That's why in Romans 13 he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And and it's not just a a one-time thing. It's realizing that Jesus Christ came to bring me to fellowship with God. and, And I can say, the Lord is my shepherd. He is the one that's leading me through this this 
matrix of life through this um, this difficult terrain, through the battle that we're in. But the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do you notice the confidence that he has in that? God, God has given me whatever I need. So he's given us his son, Jesus Christ. And needless to say, there must be a time that we personally call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And, and that ought to be the burden of every parent and grandparent that there comes a time that our children and grandchildren personalize their sin and the hopelessness of their sin and that Jesus Christ is the only answer. But then we need to go on and, and realize our dependence is, is on Jesus Christ and in Him. Secondly, the moment we're saved, He has given us the Holy Spirit. He said, it is needful for me that I go away. And when I go, I will send the Spirit and He will dwell in you. <coughs> He is the earnest of our salvation, meaning He's the down payment. He's the guarantee of our salvation, that when you trust Christ, He's given us the Spirit of God. And He said He's given to guide us into truth, to convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He produces, in Galatians chapter 5, He's at work in, in my life and in your life as believers, and this is what he's doing. He's trying to produce love and joy and peace. So, so if you look at your life and you don't have much joy, there's a problem between you and the Spirit. You better go ask and say, God, show me where I've disobeyed your Spirit Show me where I've grieved your spirit, resisted your spirit, sinned against your spirit. If, if there's a situation in your life where there's not much peace, it's a reminder to you that there's a problem between you and the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit produces peace. So He's producing love and joy and peace and long-suffering. When you're, you're short-fused with people... When you're ready to kick people to the curb and say, I'm done with them, you better go back and say, Holy Spirit, I need your power. I need your love. I am done with them. I need your long-suffering forbearance. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. He goes on and he says, gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and self-control all of these things are what the Spirit produces in our life. And this is God's gift that everything we need for life, He's given to us, and He's given it to us in His Spirit. And that's why we ought to, be, we ought to continually be saying, God, make me sensitive to Your Spirit's leading. And the Spirit works through the third gift that God's given, the Word of God. The Spirit of God is the author of the Word of God. So, <clears throat> if you want to hear the Spirit and be sensitive to the Spirit, you can't ignore the Word of God. You, it begins with that. 
He says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, All Scripture is breathed of God, is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. And, and he said, it is profitable. I, I've read a fair number of books in my life, and I can't say every book that I've ever read has been profitable. There's some books. Uh, we recently read a book that it, it, it wasn't a great book, but we determined we're going to finish it because we're finishers, not quitters, okay? There may be some books that are so bad that you quit. But we've all read books that, well, that was worthless. The Word of God is profitable. It is never worthless. It never comes up vain. It never comes up void. It is profitable in all of our lives for four things, he says. To teach us doctrine. That means to teach us about God. We would know nothing about God were it not for His Word. And we, the number one thing in life is to know about God. The number one thing is in life is to love God. Well, how do I know how to love Him unless through His Word? So it's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. In other words, to tell us where we're wrong. Now, most of us don't like that. By nature, we don't like to be told where we're wrong. We like to be told where we're right. We like to be told how good we are. But see, a, a good mentor or a good coach will say, this is what you did good, but this is what is wrong. And the Word of God, and that's why many people avoid the Word of God, because they don't want to hear what's wrong. It teaches us about God. It's good for reproof, telling us what's wrong. And it's good for correction. He doesn't just say, this is wrong, figure it out. He says, this is wrong, and this is how you correct it. This is the right way to do it. This is the right way to think. We mentioned last week, he tells us, put off this. But he doesn't just say put off. He then says put on this. That's the correction. And then it says that it instructs us in righteousness. So it teaches us about God. It says you're going the wrong way. This is how to correct it. And this is how to stay in the path of rightness. All of that comes from the Word of God. Turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And, and this is part of God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. <laughs> Notice Psalm 19 and verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. People get saved through the Word of God. The testimony is sure... Of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. I don't know about you. Yeah, I do know about you. And I know about me that I need wisdom. And we are simpletons. And 
And you're not going to get wisdom through education. You get wisdom through the Word of God. You may get knowledge through education, but you'll get wisdom through the Word of God. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Your heart hasn't been rejoicing much lately. Go to the Word of God and saturate in the Word of God, and the Word of God produces rejoicing. It rejoices our heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. As you read the Word of God, He's going to make you see the picture of this world more clearly. You're going to see, oh, this is how things are fitting into place. He'll enlighten your eyes. <coughs> Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. There is nothing that lasts forever but God's Word. I mean, you think of it. It's eternal, forever settled in the heavens. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It is so refreshing to me to come to the Word of God. You, you can't, I can't believe a thing I hear anymore. You know, they tell you, don't take vitamin D, it won't help you. Then, then he comes out this week, Fauci, and he says, I'm taking vitamin D and C because it helps you. Who do you believe? I believe God's Word. This world is full of liars. All men are liars. And this world is full of men that lie. And we're all liars. But I can come to the Word of God and it is true and righteous altogether. There's not one part that's ever going to be, oh, I don't know if that's really true. We may think it's not true, but it will prove true in the end. And we're seeing that before our eyes. <clears throat> so then the psalmist said, the Word of God is more to be desired than gold. Yea, then much fine gold. It's sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. More to be desired than gold or dollars. More to be desired. If, if we thought as much about the Word of God as we do about finances, we'd all be better off. It's more to be desired than gold. It's sweeter also than the honeycomb. I mean, it is sweet to our soul. I, I still don't have my taste back. And, and Marilyn's she made a kale salad this week. It was great. I couldn't taste it. Last night she made Brussels sprouts and I don't know what all was in that. And I'm sitting there eating it, and she even said, these Brussels sprouts are horrible. I said, what, are they bitter? They're just bad. I'm sitting there eating it like nothing's going on, you know what I mean? Can't taste it. But as a believer, you never lose the Spirit of God in you going to the Word of God. It's sweet to our heart. It brings comfort that nothing else can bring. 
It never changes, and it's always relevant. Let me just mention the last verse there of that passage. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. We've all done things in our life that there was not a great reward. You may work hard, and it's not rewarded. In keeping God's Word, He promises there is great reward. So, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and then He's given us this blessed, blessed privilege of prayer. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and notice verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. Let's just stop there. We live in a time that it's easy to be anxious about everything. About safety, about health, about the economy, about politics, about your family, about anything and everything. And right here, he gives us what to do. Okay, so this is, he's reproving us. Don't be anxious about anything. And then, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I need my heart and mind guarded through Christ Jesus. And, And when you sense in your spirit this anxiousness, that's God saying, pick up the tool of prayer. Run to the Spirit of God. He's the one that gives peace. Run to the throne of God. Don't be anxious about anything. But by everything in prayer and supplication, everything by prayer, take it to Jesus. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. There's no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. Casting all your care upon Him. Because we don't use this tool... We're filled with anxiety. Look at your prayer life. Honestly, in, in what is going on in our society today, you would think, especially among believers, that, that people would be flocking to pray together. Like, boy, this is, this is our only hope. This is our only help. And, and really, that, that, that's what it needs to be. I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if uh, 
at our prayer meetings that we said, man, we're going to have to meet in a bigger location. Wouldn't it be wonderful if September 26th, when we gather to repent, that it was packed out and people, we had to, to spread out in the conference room and everywhere and there was crying out to... It ought to be. You mean to tell me nobody else is anxious about anything? But this is, this is the tool God's given, but if you don't pick it up and use it, it's worthless. So he's given us Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, prayer. I told you there'd be nothing new here. But he's also given the church. Ecclesia, the word for church, it means a called out assembly. It means assembling together. It doesn't mean just hearing a message. It means assembled together because when you're assembled together, <clears throat> you can provoke one another and to provoke one another to love and good works. And it's through ministering and being around one another that we learn to have love, the love of God, for people that are gifted differently than we are, for people that see things from a different perspective, but they're fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. They may be the pinky, and you may be the ear, and someone else may be the foot, but you say, hey, we've all got to work together. And, and God's given the church for us to serve in and for us to be ministered unto by people ministering in our lives that we are stronger as a result. And that's why he said in Hebrews 10, to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, <clears throat> but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you see what Satan's doing today? He's keeping believers from a tool that God has, has given. And he's doing it to weaken the body. And we need each other. This is God's design. It's God's tool. He's also given us forgiveness. He knows <clears throat> he knows that we're going to stumble and fall. But he said, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You, you, you've seen it. You probably did it. We probably did it when we were kids. You do something and fail at it. I can't do anything anymore. I'm done. I'm not going to do that anymore. I can't do anything right. And if you're a decent parent, he'll say, that's a lie. Now get up here, and if they need help, you give them a boost, okay? <laughs> and, and you say, no. You can do this. 
Too many Christians are saying, I've tried and I, I, I just can't do it. Yeah, because you're not using the tools God has given you. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness, and He doesn't intend us to sit here moping that I can't do it. He says, I, I acknowledge you, you failed here. You walked in the flesh. But let's get up, acknowledge your sin, confess it, see it the way I do. He says, I'll forgive you. We'll be back. We'll be good. And let's get going. That's the grace of God. That's the forgiveness of God. He's given us that. Next, he's given us, and we need to just quickly go through this. He's given to we as believers confidence because of heaven. I mean, we ought to have great confidence. We know how this is going to end. We don't know what's between now and heaven, but we know how this is going to end, and, and great confidence. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, being confident of this very thing, to be absent from the body... Praise the Lord, is to be present with the Lord. What's the worst thing that could happen to you in this life? Most people would say, well, to die. I would say to be tortured endlessly on end, but we'll get to that in just a minute. But you know what? We know we ought to have confidence and live in a world that is totally lacking confidence Because we have the promise of heaven. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And and I want you to see, and again, just a, a reminder. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. Paul is at the end of his life. He's about to be martyred for the faith. And notice his confidence. For I am, re- I am already being poured out as a drink offering, 2 Timothy 4, 6. And the time of my departure is at hand. It's time they're going to take me and kill me. Notice his confidence. I've fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who love his appearing. You you think of Timothy as he's reading this letter that he gets from Paul. and, And as he reads that, that instills confidence in Timothy. He's not reading, oh, pray for me. I don't know if I'm going to make it, and it's been miserable. He said... I am ready to be offered, and I'm confident of this, that there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You think what that did to Timothy. That instilled confidence in him. Why? Because Paul knew how this was going to end. And and the rejoicing in that. So, one last thing that I want to mention, and really, this one last thing, encompasses all the the seven other things. God has given you, as a believer, He has given you His grace. 
Paul said, I prayed for God to remove this thorn in the flesh. But he said, he didn't. And then I realized that God's grace is made perfect in weakness. So I'm going to glory in my weakness because God's grace is sufficient. The empowering of God in my life is everything I need to respond right as a husband or a wife or a parent or a worker or a neighbor or whatever. God's grace. If you read yesterday's New Morning Mercies, let me just read a couple quotes. Grace means you can never say that it's too hard, that you've been left on your own, and that you simply don't have enough. Because grace means you haven't been left on your own, you're not alone, and you have everything you need. He said, when you remember God's grace, you tell yourself that you are not alone, that you are not left to some small batch of your own resources, and that you have been graced with all that you need right here, right now, to be what God has called you to be, and to do what God has chosen for you to do. Do you understand? We have no excuse We just need to make sure that we make sure the grace of God is not given in vain. Imagine this. I heard years ago, every situation in your life that comes into your life, God provides the grace for it. It's like you hear a dump truck backing up. Beep, beep, beep. Whatever situation in your life, listen for God's dump truck of grace. And he's going to pour all the grace you need. It's right there. All the grace you need. But we must appropriate it. I don't have the time to go into it. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, in 2 Corinthians 6, and in Galatians 2, he said, I am not going to make the grace of God be in vain. He said, I labored more abundantly than the others so that the grace of God would not be given in vain. He's saying, God gave everything I needed for victory, and I'm going to do whatever's necessary to get that in my life so that it's not wasted. So God doesn't say, I gave you the power to overcome those evil thoughts, but you didn't didn't use it. He said, I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God. See, there's no reason that we should not be walking confidently and victoriously and peacefully and joyously in this life because He's given us everything we need. And it's His grace. It's Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and prayer, and the church, and forgiveness, and a confidence in heaven. That's all grace. It's all summed up in that. And that's what he's saying. And Peter's writing 
under persecution. He's writing to those that are being persecuted. And he's saying, God's given you everything you need for life and godliness. And he goes on then and says, you need to add to this, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and so on. Because the Christian life is similar to running a marathon. It requires training. It requires discipline. It requires long-term commitment. And it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And the reality is, we must avail ourselves to these tools of God's grace to walk in victory. So look at your life. Which ones do you need to say, you know what, I've been neglecting that tool. I mean, you take a a, a cordless drill and you don't plug the battery into it and you're not going to get much done. You take the Christian life and you don't don't depend on the Spirit of God and you're not going to get much done. You neglect the Word of God. You're not going to have the peace of God ruling in your heart. You're not continually running, you know, honestly and and shamefully. As a result of all of this coronavirus, my prayer life has has been enhanced because of, of everything that's going on. It ought to be for every one of us. And we need to look and say, God, what tools? Have you given me? And how do you want me to use them? Heavenly Father, (coughs) I pray that we would be brought back to the very basics of the Christian life, of the gifts, the tools, the grace that you have been given us. And Lord, I pray if there's one listening today that has never personally come to receive Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of their salvation and calling unto you for the forgiveness of sin. And then, Lord, I pray for every one of us as believers that we would be prompted by your Spirit and drawn by your Spirit to make use of these great gifts and tools that you've given to us so that your grace is not given in vain, so that we can walk in victory and confidence in you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be what you want us to be in these days. Thank you for raising us up to live in these days. And thank you that your grace is abundantly sufficient. And that you, we have everything we need for life and godliness. And so, Lord, may our lives reflect the goodness of your gifts as we walk in the power of them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.